Well, church, today is the day, the big game. This is the most unenthusiastic <laughs> bunch of Chiefs fans. Because you've really come to worship Jesus, haven't you? Yeah, that's what you're most excited about. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, it's, it's the big game tonight. But listen, long after tonight's game is forever forgotten in the pages of history, the real game is happening today. It's the one that will last for all of eternity. We are launching formally the Independence Campus today. Let's give it up right now for all those in Independence. Guys, we are so proud of you, so excited about what God is gonna do in and through you. I wanna talk today about a pioneering vision because the church is full of pioneers. It's always been full of pioneers. A pioneer is someone who's willing to risk all that is for all that could be. A pioneer has a hope and a dream. A pioneer is compelled to go to a land they've never been, to a place they've never seen, to dream that is costly, demands a life lived dangerously with a faith that is risky. The time is the first century A.D. God is raising up a band of spiritual pioneers, about 120 altogether. And they're walking up a mountain outside of the city of Jerusalem called the Mount of Olives. And they asked their champion, their king, the Lord Jesus Christ, this question in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. If you have a copy of God's word, Acts chapter 1 and then Revelation chapter 3. They asked him this question, look, they said, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Look how Jesus answers them. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And with these words, the Lord Jesus Christ launched a movement that literally changed the world. With these words, Jesus launched a movement that radically altered Roman society. It took over the Roman world by the end of the first century. It begins with 120, but it multiplied to hundreds and thousands in less than a century. In church, this same movement that Jesus launched 2,000 years ago, it is still changing lives today in the 21st century, it has the power power to change our city, our community, and your life personally. And this is what those early pioneers of Christianity did. It was pioneers that paved the way for where we are today. It's always pioneers that went before us that paved the way for where we are today. 2,000 years later, the time was 2000 A.D., the place was Lee Summit, Missouri. God is raising up another band of pioneers, about 120 all together. They have a hope and a dream. That's about all they have because all they have is a little brick building, a broken down brick building. This is where it's happening, a former kingdom hall. But this band of pioneers had a dream, willing to risk all that is for all that could be to go to a place they'd never been, a land they'd never seen. Jesus called it a, a shining city, a city set up on a hill that could not be hid. It was a dream that was costly. It would demand a life lived sacrificially, a faith that is risky. They don't have a lot going for them. They've called a former Kansas City police officer, Sergeant Swat Cop, to be their preacher. He does not know what he's doing. 
He barely started seminary. He didn't have any experience in the ministry. But what we did have in those early days was a dream, the same dream that launched Christianity to take the gospel to the nations, beginning with our neighbors, to be his witness in Jerusalem, to Dea Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you see, that has always been the vision. It's always been a pioneering vision that Jesus launched 2,000 years ago with those words, this pioneering vision of taking the gospel to all nations and future generations. And for the last 21 years, that's what we've been doing, compelled by that dream, risking all that is for all that could be to take the gospel from the neighborhoods to the nations, from Kansas City to Kenya, from Blue Springs to Bolivia, from Lee Summit to Lithuania, from Greenwood to Guatemala, from Independence to Iran. You see, that's all been the vision, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's a dream that is worthy of our life because if you don't have a dream worth dying for, you don't have a dream worth living for. And that was the pioneering vision of early Christianity and that movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. It is still moving today in the 21st century, but a movement is multiplying. That's the nature of any movement. It's not a movement if it's not multiplying. This pioneer vision demands multiplication and it's called the Great Commission when Jesus said, in Matthew 28 and verse 19, behold, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and upon earth. Go you therefore, make disciples of all nations. That pioneering vision was about taking the gospel to new places to reach new people. And that is the vision of our church for the next two years and really beyond the next two years. For as long as Jesus delays his return until he comes for his bride, his church, we're taking the gospel to new places to reach new people. You see, the old paradigm of church in America was this. If you want to find Jesus, you got to come to this place at this time, at this location. It was the Great Commission by addition. Let's just build a yet bigger auditorium so we can hold more people, and they got to come here in this place at this time, at this location. But do you understand the Great Commission has never been about addition. It's always been about multiplication. And that's what made early Christianity a move of God that spread through the ancient world like fire through dry timber. It was a grassroots move of God. It began in Jerusalem. That was the epicenter of Christianity with that 120. And then on the day of Pentecost, it exploded into 3,000 brand new converts and followers of Jesus. And it tells us in Acts chapter 5 that the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved with in just a few months, there were tens of thousands of Christ followers in Jerusalem, but they still hadn't taken the gospel to Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth. God sent persecution, and with that persecution came the dispersion, and finally Christians began to spread out and take Jesus with them everywhere they went, and that's always been the plan, and that is why we are a multiplying movement. We want to see God multiply what God did here over the last 20 years and let God do it again and again and again, not just here, but everywhere. And that's why we are today sending some pioneers to independence. It was 1841. Another band of pioneers, about 120 farmers and families were gathering in what is today Independence, Missouri, near the courthouse of the downtown square of Independence. It was here 
those early pioneers would gather as they would begin to congregate and assimilate for the Pioneer Trail. It was here in Independence, Missouri, near the courthouse in the square, is where pioneers would gather to go down one of three Pioneer Trails. It was the Santa Fe Trail, the California Trail, or the Oregon Trail. And it was here that thousands and thousands would follow from that inaugural voyage and the wagon trains going west over the next 30 and 40 years, pioneers would go down those pioneer trails while gathering right here in Independence, Missouri. Do you understand that pioneers paved the way for where we are today? Before there was a Portland, Oregon, a pioneer had been there. Before there was a Seattle, Washington, a pioneer had been there. Before there was a Sacramento, California, a pioneer had been there. You see, it's pioneers that paved the way for where we are today. What compelled them? It was a hope and a dream to go to a place they'd never been, a land they'd never seen, willing to risk all that is for all that could be. It's a dream that was costly. It was a dream that would demand faith that was risky, a life lived dangerously. Right there, it began in Independence, Missouri. So it seems only natural that we would send a bunch of pioneers back to that same community, to that same city with a pioneering vision. And there they are today. Guys, we are so proud of what you've done. About 25 pioneers have left the Blue Springs campus to go launch Independence. Let's give it up for them right now. We're so thrilled. So so excited. About 100 pioneers left the Lee Summit campus to go to the Independence campus and launch that move of God in that city. We're so proud of you, what you're doing. But it didn't begin in 2020 or 2021. It actually began with a little band of pioneers in 1939 that got together and began to dream about reaching independence with the gospel. They would call it Emmanuel Baptist Church. And 80 years later, that seed that began with that little bitty pioneer band has now become abundant life independence. You see, it all begins with a little band of pioneers. The 120 in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost exploded into tens of thousands. And 2,000 years later, millions and millions of followers of Jesus, that little band of 120 in the year 2000, right here on Purcell's Road in Lee Summit, Missouri, that was the seed for the thousands and thousands that now call abundant life home. Do you see that is always what pioneers do? Pioneers lay the foundation for future generations. It's pioneers that pave the way for where we are today. And it's we today that are paving the way for the ones that will come behind us someday. And that's what God has been doing for 2,000 years, and that is what we get to do at Abundant Life. We are just one more generation of pioneers and a generation of pioneers that have come before us, one generation passing the mantle and the baton of the gospel to the next. I understand there's something special happening in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Listen, there's a bunch of families right now worshiping with us online in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And they began worshiping with us months ago during COVID. I love this. This is a grassroots movement. Christianity has always been grassroots. It was never a top-down driven move of God. It was always a move of God on the grassroots level. Uh, we were not in a strategic planning session when we decided, hey, let's take, C uh, let, let's take abundant life to Cedar Falls. Uh, no, God is going to Cedar Falls. 
whether we want to go with him or not. And so there's these families that have joined our church. They're some of the inaugural members of our online campus. Gone through our Next Steps class. Assimilating into the mission, the vision, the core values of abundant life. They've grown out of their living room. And so one of them has a barn on their family farm. And because they've grown out of their living room, they're now renovating their barn to have church in their barn. Doing it at their own expense on their own dime. That is pioneering stuff. Would you give it up for these families in Cedar Falls? Listen, this is a pioneering move of God. This is first century, the book of Acts kind of Christianity. We don't need somebody to tell us what to do. We want to reach our city. We're going to reach our community. And that is happening all over the country, not just in our city. I'm talking all over our country. Welcome to the living room of Benji and Misty Gentry in Columbia, Tennessee. It's a suburb of Nashville. This was them one week ago worshiping with us, charter members of our online campus. Benji and Misty, welcome to Abundant Life. We are so thankful to get to partner with you to be living proof of a loving God in Nashville, Tennessee. Now listen, the, the goal isn't just that people are sitting alone solo in their living room. No, the goal is that we connect you wherever you are in this country, wherever you are in this city, in the core values of abundant life, one of which is community. And so a few weeks ago, they're sitting alone, worshiping with us, and they're like, we want community. And so we've now helped them connect with other families in their area. This is them a week ago having journey kids in their living room. This is pioneering stuff. Now listen, this isn't new for Christianity. You understand the largest and fastest growing church in the world is the underground church of Iran, where a million Muslims a year are said to be coming to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And this is how they're doing it. It's a multiplying movement. And I predict that someday there will be dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of these home churches all across America. It's a pioneering vision. You see, the church has to decentralize. It, it, it can't be just chaos, meaning it can't just be all the hands saying to the body, we have no need for you. First Corinthians 12, Paul was very clear. The hand can't say to the body, we have no need of you. The foot can't say to the hand, we have no need of you. Christianity has never just been chaos with all the hands and feet out there doing whatever they want to, not attached to the body. But I want you to see that Christianity of the first century was a grassroots move of God. It, it wasn't top downdriven. Uh, you, you've got to wait until we tell you what to do. No, listen, if you want to bring Jesus to your city, you want to bring Jesus to your community, you want to bring Jesus to your neighborhood, you don't need permission to do that. Jesus has already said go. Be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And guess what? We're going to go wherever the Holy Spirit says go. Columbia, Tennessee. Cedar Falls. Iowa, pioneers everywhere. To be pioneers, what does it mean, church? We have to relinquish the security of being settlers. And this is what has happened, I'm convinced, to Christianity in America. This is why the movement quit moving. Because it's easier to be settlers than it is to be pioneers. Many churches have just done that. We've settled. 
Here's what happens in the life of so many churches, the life cycle of so many churches. 20 years ago, we're this little church in infancy. 20 years ago, in this little church in infancy, we have this outward mentality, whatever it takes to reach your city. We have no buildings, we have no budgets, we have very few people, we don't have anything going for us but a hope and a dream. I'm talking about risking all that is for all that could be. Now, here's the deal. When you've got nothing to risk, it's easy to risk everything. Yeah, we'll risk it all when you don't have much to risk. Now, what happens 20 years later in the life of a lot of churches, what happens? You've got more than ever to hang on to. You got more than ever to lose. And so you quit doing the things that got you there. You just start to try to hang on to what you have and just manage what you have instead of taking risks for God, instead of living dangerously with a faith that is risky, and you just begin to settle. You're a settler, and most churches in America are settlers. I'm telling you, most churches in America, listen, most pastors make an unwritten, unspoken covenant with their people. And this unwritten, unspoken covenant goes something like this. Church, I promise to never say anything that's gonna demand you do anything. I promise to never do anything that would make you have to change anything. And in return, you just keep giving enough money to keep the doors open. That's how most churches in America operate. This unwritten agreement that, you know, just you keep giving enough money, keep the doors open, and I won't actually challenge us to have to do anything hard. See, that's the settler. Status quo, just hang on to what we have. And that is the slow fade. That is the kiss of death. You see, I'm talking about the past today because it connects us to the future. The way we trace our steps to the future is by retracing our steps to the past. It was a pioneering vision that Jesus launched. We can never afford in Christianity to stop being pioneers, doing new things, to take the gospel to new places, to reach new people. You understand, pioneers live a life that is costly. Pioneers live a life sacrificially. Pioneers do hard things and make hard decisions. We can never settle to be settlers and shade dwellers. It's a pioneering move of God. And if we ever stop being pioneers, the movement eventually stops moving because we just settle. In those early days, listen, we didn't have much. This was our first kid's wing 20 years ago. We bought a house right next to that little red brick building that little kingdom hall, that house was our first kids wing. This is where we had kids Sunday school and uh, we, we, we had kids coming out of the cabinets, kids coming out of the kitchen cupboards, we had kids coming out of the bedroom closets. Uh, we had an adult Sunday school class that met on Sunday mornings in the garage of this house. It had no AC for the summertime. It had no heat in the wintertime. I'm talking five degrees in the wintertime. Women in there shivering, you know, and, you know, summertime is 95 in there. And, you know, you know this is us. People didn't come to abundant life in those days because we had awesome buildings. People didn't come to abundant life in those days because we had these awesome programs, well, people came back in these days because they were, they were pioneers. They, they came for the vision, the mission. They believed the mission was worthy of our lives. It was a mission that was a whatever it takes mentality to reach our city, to reach our community. We paved the way in those days for what is here today. When I look at this picture, all these kids have grown up now. 
And you know, one of the greatest seasons of life I'm in right now that I get to see the second generation begin to take the mantle of leadership. This cute little girl right here in the red dress, that is Savvy Hughes. And today she's on our Fusion staff helping minister to other students in our city. That little guy right there, he just graduated from UMKC with a business degree. That little guy right there, he lives in Austin, Texas. Okay, well, I'm getting distracted. This, is, this, is, this was like pioneering days. And I want you to see that that is the same spirit that must prevail in every single day. We can never stop doing the things that got us where we are, taking risks for God. You understand Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'll say it again, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What that means is, if we're not risking something for God, we're not pleasing God, because apart from risk, we don't need faith, and without faith, we can't please God. What that means is, it's always right to risk for the cause of Christ. What are you risking for Jesus today? What demands that you live by faith? See, most of the time, we only attempt those things that come with a guarantee. We only attempt those things that we can see. And I want you to see that ultimately pioneers are compelled by something they have not yet seen. It's a dream, but that's when impossibilities become realities. And that is the same spirit that must permeate every fabric of our being, the DNA of our bride, this body of Christ at Abundant Life. A faith that costs nothing will accomplish nothing. Listen, a faith that demands nothing will do nothing. And unfortunately, that is the faith of the average American church, a faith that costs nothing so it does nothing, a faith that demands nothing so it accomplishes nothing. See, we want a faith where we suffer nothing. We want a faith that demands us to sacrifice nothing. Yet this was not the pioneering faith that Jesus gave when he launched the move of God that we now call Christianity. Luke 9, 23, Jesus is giving inspiration and he's giving some direction to his early pioneers. He says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. He is laying down the gauntlet he is laying down the conditions to be a Christian. You want to follow me? He says, it's going to mean you deny yourself and take up your cross to follow me. What's that mean? It's a life of self-denial. It is a life of self-dying. I'm going to deny myself to follow Christ. I'm going to die to myself to follow Christ. When he said to take up your cross daily, listen, we today in the 21st century think he was talking metaphorically, but I will promise his followers of the first century they they were not thinking metaphorically. They were picturing something literally. When Jesus said to take up your cross daily, listen, a cross in Jesus' day was not something you wore. It was something you bore on your way to your own execution. And many of those early Christians did indeed bear a cross on their way to their own execution. That was a pioneering faith, a life lived sacrificially. He was saying, you want to follow me? It's going to sometimes be a life of suffering. It's going to be a life of hardship and pain. 
Yet we have a faith today that's more cozy than it is costly, more self-enhancing than self-threatening, a, a faith that is more dainty than it is dangerous. Yet this is not the first century Christianity. This has become the 21st century American Christianity. And only when we get back that pioneering faith of the early Christians will we see a move of God again like God did in the book of Acts. Watch this, Jesus, as he's giving those instructions, he's casting that vision, putting this dream and this movement in motion. Acts 1 and verse 8, watch this. You shall, be, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Now, I want you to know something. There is a relationship here between the power of God and being a witness for the Son of God. This word in the Greek, power, is dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. He was saying, I'm going to give you explosive power. I'm going to give you power. The Holy Spirit power, dunamis power, explosive power. I'm talking, you know, put a, put a piece of dynamite in somebody's hand and see if it changes their life. Now set the fuse on fire. See what happens. I mean, I'm talking life-changing Community-altering, power of God, supernatural power. How many people here would love to have the power of God upon their life, yes? Hey, I don't wanna live a natural life. I, I can promise I'm not living a normal life. I wanna live an abnormal life. I wanna live a supernatural life. I long for the power of God to be upon my life, the power of God that will change my family, that will change my children, that'll change my children's children, that will redefine the trajectory of a family for eternity, that has the power to redefine my neighborhood, that has the power to change a community, has the power to change a city, the power of God. Now check this out. You want the power of God? You can have it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you can have it. That power is associated with being a witness. The power of God is so you can be a supernatural witness of the Son of God, but check this out. This word witness is the Greek word martis, from which we get the word martyr. Those first century pioneers literally heard Jesus say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be martyrs for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Do you understand what they heard is something different than what we hear? They equated being a witness of the Son of God with being a martyr for the Son of God, yet they were an unstoppable force for God against all the odds, against all the adversity, against all the intense persecution. It was an unstoppable force of God, unstoppable force for the gospel. You know why? Because the early church was full of martyrs. They were full of people who who laid down their lives. Why does the American church lack such power? I'm convinced it's because the American church lacks martyrs. And when God finds a people that are willing to lay down their life and sacrifice all they have for the Lord Jesus Christ, God will fill that person with his power. You wanna find your one? We've got over a thousand people all over the country looking for their one in the next two years. It's one of our impossible initiatives, a thousand people looking for their one. The first thing you can do is begin praying for the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life as you find your one to be the witness of the one. As you begin to lay down your life and surrender more and more of your life to him, the power of God will begin to fill you up within.
This is why, by the way, I mentioned the church in Iran. It's growing exponentially. Why? It's illegal to be a Christian in Iran. They will kill you. The underground church of China, it's illegal to be a Christian. They will imprison you. They will kill you. But you understand historically, wherever Christians are left alone to thrive, Christianity slowly dies. But wherever historically Christians have been made to die, Christianity thrives. Because martyrdom is specifically associated with the power of God. It's unstoppable. Now here's the reality, nobody is gonna drag you into a concentration camp for being a Christian. Nobody is going to literally hang you on a cross like they might have in the early days for being a Christian. For you and I, it's about laying down our life, letting go of our life. It's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter eight. He said, whoever will seek to save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall save it. As you let go of the life you have, all of a sudden you start living the life that God wants you to live. That is a power-packed life to be a witness for Jesus. And everybody near you begins to change because God has changed you. You see, that's a pioneer, and it's a life of hardship. It's a life that is costly. You've probably been by the cemetery many times. If you've lived in this area for a long, long time, this cemetery, picture cemetery. It's about two blocks north of I-70 on Blurge Cutoff. Pitcher Cemetery was the first campsite those pioneers would come to after leaving Independence, Missouri. They didn't make it very far that first day. It was only about five, mile, five miles as the crow flies from the Independence Square. A lot of them didn't know what they were doing. We picture these early frontiersmen being, you know, seasoned and salty, but many of them had never driven a covered wagon with a team of oxen. So they made really slow progress in those first few days just trying to figure out what they were doing. That's like our church in the early days. We didn't know what we were doing. Uh, We still don't always know what we're doing. It's a move of God. But in this case, they would stop on the high ground before they would ford the Blue River the next day. And that high ground, that campsite, became a cemetery, a pioneer cemetery. Some of them would not make it one day on the trail, and they were dying. They would bury their loved ones, they would bury their sons, their daughters, their children, their mothers, their fathers. We think pandemics are a new thing, and for the, you know, the ancient days and for just a, a few generations behind us, disease was a very common thing. Epidemics were a common thing. Cholera was a real deal in these pioneer trails, in these wagon trays. What would happen is they would congregate around what is today the Independence Square, and a lot of strangers would come in contact from different places, and they'd be there for a few days or a few weeks getting ready, and guess what they were doing? Unwittingly, they are passing cholera around. Cholera was a disease you could feel fine in the morning, be dead by that night. So this Pioneer Cemetery was a campsite, also became a cemetery on the Pioneer Trail. Some have called the Oregon Trail one long 2,000 mile long cemetery. That is how hard it was. Uh, If you actually lived you would eventually make it to Wyoming and they would nickname this area of Wyoming on the Oregon Trail, Hell's Half Acre. 
It was actually a lot more than a half acre, but the terrain was so difficult to navigate, it would feel like you went a half acre a day. The going was so slow. Some of us feel like we're in hell's half acre. Man, this year has been the hardest year of my life. This decade has been harder than I ever dreamed it would be. I mean, I'm in the middle of hell's half acre. It doesn't feel like I'm going anywhere fast. Listen, I can't tell you how many times, last 20 years in my life, I felt like I, I'm in hell's half acre. Everything on the outside, listen, people tell me, you know, abundant life makes everything look so easy. You have no idea. We have fought for every inch of ground God has given us for 20 years. That's what happens on the Pioneer Trail. What do you do when you reach a place in your life where it feels like, man, you're in the middle of hell's half acre. <laughs> uh, my life feels more like hell than it does heaven. I'm telling you what you do. You do what the Apostle Paul did in Philippians chapter two. He said, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forth to those things that are ahead. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what he was saying? You focus on the prize, you don't focus on the pain. What would compel these pioneers to keep going and push through hell's half acre? I'll tell you what it was. They had something in their mind's eye. They pictured it ahead of time. That's called faith. They were willing to risk all that is for all that could be. They were compelled by a dream to go to a place they'd never been, a land they would never seen, and eventually they would come to the fertile, beautiful fields of Oregon. And do you understand that someday, as we push through this pioneering life full of hardship and pain, that it's gonna break away, it's gonna fade away, and we're gonna see Jesus, and it's gonna be more beautiful and better than we ever could have imagined. Jesus said, I have come to give you life, and you can have it more abundantly. That's not just in the here and now, that is called the hereafter. The apostle Paul said, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them who love him. It's going to be out of this world. That's what you do. Don't focus on the pain. Focus on the prize. He says in 1 Corinthians 4, 18, the apostle Paul said, looking not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. It has to do with your focus in life. And they were focused on the finish line. In our case, the finish line is the author and finisher of our faith, whose name is Jesus. But listen carefully, that means we're people of conquest. Taking new ground for the king, new ground for the kingdom. That's God's always called Christians to be people of conquest, not settlers, but pioneers, going to new places to reach new people. Independence this year, the crossroads of Kansas City, Missouri, then the next year. Why are we multiplying these gatherings? Because the Great Commission is not addition, it's about multiplication. It's going to new places to reach new people, making conquest for the king, conquest for the kingdom, to take new ground for God, new ground for the gospel. And God has set before us an open door. And in Revelation chapter three, Jesus commends some of those early pioneers. Revelation three and verse seven, to the angel of the church at Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy, this is Jesus speaking, he who is true, he who has the key of David, the key of David has to do with ultimate dominion, power, and authority. Jesus is saying, I have the key to the king's treasury. He has the provision for our vision. 
he goes on. He says, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. Guess what? The devil tried to shut the door of Emmanuel Baptist Church. God said, no, I'm going to open it up. I'm going to leave it open. If I told you the whole story of abundant life, the devil tried to shut the doors of this church forever. We are the church that almost never was. God said, no, I'm going to open that door, and no man can shut it. I'm going to open up the door to the city. I have the key to the king's treasury. If you have the faith to go through that door of opportunity, I'm going to show you that I am the God of impossibilities. And we are in the middle of what we're calling the impossible campaign because what we're attempting is impossible for man. But Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. He says, for you have a little strength. Listen carefully. There are three character qualities of this church at Philadelphia that Jesus commended them for. Three character qualities that we should aspire for in our life personally, in the life of our church family, that God will continue to open up doors that seem like impossibilities. And the first one is this. He commends them. He congratulates them because they are a church of a little strength. Now, I know about you, but that sounds to me like kind of a backhanded compliment. Like, you guys are just little, all right? You just got a little strength. No, no, he's saying this is one of your strength. Your strength is that you have a little strength, meaning they understood they were desperate for God. This church understood that they cannot open up any doors by the hand of man. It's always the hand of God. Church, we will never attempt anything in abundant life that can be done with the hand of man. We will only attempt those things that can be done by the hand of God. And that means we'll always have just a little strength, meaning we are desperate for God. In those early days, I'm telling you, we were desperate for divine intervention because we had this great God-sized vision, and that's what kept us in a state of desperation. What happens after 21 years? We lose a state of desperation because we no longer have that vision that demands divine intervention. Now we got these nice buildings, and we got a bigger budget, and we got some stuff. And most churches start relying on the stuff instead of the Savior, the Son of God. And I want you to understand, we are still just a little church with a little strength. This is the building we started in. This is the building I'm preaching from. 2,400 seats in this auditorium. 100 seats did not allow for any social distancing. I mean, we were stacked on top of each other in there. God has given us beautiful buildings here in Lee Summit, a beautiful auditorium and a beautiful facility in Blue Springs, Missouri. I love the Emmanuel facility that's now Abundant Life Independence. It is awesome. I've, I've been in there. It's gonna be an amazing place to worship. Crossroads, guys, it's gonna be an amazing building. There's a lot of renovation to do in the next 18 months, a lot of work to do. It's gonna be an amazing place. But you understand these buildings are not trophies, they're just tools. And no matter how many buildings God gives us, this is still who we are right here. 
we are still this little church in this little broken down brick building that is desperate for a move of God. You see, Jesus is warning against what happens in a lot of churches that have had success. They become a victim of their own success. They lose their humility and they start thinking, wow, we're big britches now. Look at what we've done. Jesus sure is lucky to have us. Do you understand? God's not desperate for us. We're desperate for him. And if we ever forget that, we're toast. See, when you look on the life cycle of churches, there are a couple of things that can ruin the move of God. One is sin. Sin will ruin God's vision. It will stop what God was putting in motion. But it doesn't have to be sin. Some churches just settle. When you settle for what is instead of going for what will be. In some cases, it's pride. Well, look at how far we've come. Look at what we've done. And I'm telling you, after 21 years, church, I'm more convinced than ever I haven't done anything. I was just here when Jesus did. Everything is by the grace of God. And it's changed the way I pray. I pray every day now, God, give me more grace to bring you more glory. Because I can't bring you more glory without more grace. It is all by the grace of God because we have just a little strength. I keep this in my office. This is a brick that I salvaged from this brick building that's no longer there. I keep this in my office because it's a constant reminder of where we've come from. Lest we ever forget where we've come from. Lest we ever forget, we're still that little church desperate for God. If God doesn't show up, we are toast. If God doesn't move, we're done. And you see, that's where God wants us to live. That's where God wants us to stay, in a place of desperation for him. That's the church of the open door. That is the church that God opens up opportunity with the key to the king's treasury. Then he says, you have kept my word Church, the average church in America has abandoned God's word. Eight out of 10 churches in America theologically no longer believe the Bible is God's word. Do you understand that when you abandon the word of God, the son of God abandons you? And when you lose the son of God, you lose the spirit of God and the very thing God put in the world, the church, to give life cannot only keep dead people dead. Going through the motions of the religious ritual and the ceremonialism, but it's dead religion. It can bring no redemption. You see why God commends this church? Because they've kept his word. I've never told anybody this till today. I am standing literally right here on a letter that I wrote Jesus. Before they poured the concrete on this platform, I put this letter to Jesus right here. I'm standing on it now. And I promised our God, I promised the Son of God, I promised our Savior that this platform will always and only preach the word of God. We will never compromise the word of God. We will never abandon the word of God. We will never water down the word of God. And I'm standing on a letter and a vow 
over my dead body. Will we ever abandon the word of God at abundant life? And for all the things that have changed in 20 years, for all the things that are going to change in the next 20 years, I can promise there's a few things that will never change. It will stay the same. We will stand on the word of God. We'll not apologize for the word of God. We won't back up from the word of God. And the average church in America is so politically correct, they're no longer biblically correct, having embraced false philosophy instead of true biblical theology. I was talking with some friends. We've been friends for many, many years. They've come to our church for many years. I was talking to them this past week. We've watched our kids grow up. They're now in their 20s. I married one of their daughters a couple of years ago. Like a lot of young couples, they moved into the city, the cool part of town, because suburbs aren't cool anymore. You know that, right? I mean, their moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas moved to the suburbs, so now the kids are going back to the city. That's why we're going to the city. That's why we need to get to the crossroads of Kansas City. And they'd moved to the cool part of town and... um, Bounced around for a couple of years looking for a church, church after church after church. Didn't stick, didn't stay anywhere. And I'm talking to her mom, and her mom tells me this past week, she came back to Abundant Life with her husband and her family, and they worship here now. And you know what she told her mom? Mom, Abundant Life is a big, lovable dinosaur. Now, I was hoping to be a lion. You know, what's your spirit animal? Lion, tiger. No, no. She said, big, lovable dinosaur. Well, it's better than being a big, scary dinosaur, okay? But I thought about it. She meant it as a compliment, but I'm not sure I want to be a dinosaur. Because what she meant was this churches like ours are rare. You know what she was saying? Churches that actually still believe the word of God are rare. I think that's sad. I don't want to be rare. Dinosaurs are extinct. And if that's true, then it's more crucial than ever that we don't let churches like Emmanuel close their doors. There are other churches now found out what we did at Emmanuel. Guess what? They're calling us now for hell. It is crucial that we don't let these churches close their doors because we don't want to be a dinosaur, the church of Jesus Christ that believes the word of God. It's more crucial than it's ever been. As long as we still keep the word of God as the foundation, God's going to open up more and more doors for you have a little strength You've kept my word, you've not denied my name. You've not denied my name. You haven't compromised my name. Do you understand that when you compromise the word of God, you compromise the name of the Son of God? Jesus is not a way, Jesus is the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4 and verse 12, no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Philippians chapter 3, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that is named, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, we will not be ashamed of that name. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. 
Those are the three things. And God will keep opening up more and more doors in your life, in the life of our church. Let me ask you, when your life is over, and one day soon it will be, one day we will all be gone. And when your life is over, will anyone know that you were ever here? Here's the thing about a pioneer. Pioneers always leave a mark for others to follow. They always leave a trail. They always pave the way for others to come behind them someday. You can go to Kansas City, Missouri at Minor Park, right here in our city, in Kansas City, and you can go to Minor Park and you can go to a red granite monument and you can look out past that monument and you can see the swales in the ground of those wagon trails. They are still there over 170 years later. Some of the ruts in the ground are six feet deep. Can't really see it because of all the growth, but you can go, you can see a pioneer had been there. You can go out west and follow the pioneer trail today. You don't even need a sign in some places because the ruts in the ground are so deep. It permanently carved a mark in the stone. You know why? Because where a pioneer has been, you can always see where they were. So I'll ask you again, one day when your life is over, will anyone know where you've been? And I'm trying to tell you today, pioneers leave a permanent mark and a trail for others to follow. That's what we're doing at Abundant Life. When your life is over, will anyone be able to tell you were ever here? Now is our moment to make our mark on eternity. Life is but a vapor. Here for a little while, don't delay, don't wait. I want you to stand with me right now, wherever you're worshiping, online, maybe in your living room, over in Independence, over in Blue Springs, would you join us there? I wanna stand right now, I wanna formally pray and dedicate this Independence campus to our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hands with me before him? The sign of surrender. Lord Jesus, today we give all that we are for all that you are. Lord, in that same pioneering spirit of the early days of Christianity, we are today again willing to risk all that is for all that could be, could go to new places we've never been, new places we've never seen, to take the gospel from our city locally and around the world globally. And God, today we ask that you would fill the Independence Campus with your presence, that the presence of God would be great and awesome every time the body of Christ gathers at 23rd and Nolan, that Lord, your presence will be overwhelming and awesome in that place for years and years and years to come, that it would be a place of life change where the gospel is preached, hearts are healed, Jesus, we pray a spirit of redemption upon that region of our city, that God, you'd raise up new pioneers, Lord, to pioneer something new in the days ahead. God, give us more grace to bring you more glory, and we promise to always give you all the glory. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. God